0: Hello to everybody who's ever gotten mad at the airport. It's Beautiful Anonymous. One hour, one phone call, no names, no holds bar. I'd rather go
1: one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun, and I'll get to know you, and you'll get to know me.
0: Hi everybody, it's Chris Gather Welcome to another episode of Beautiful Anonymous. Man. Do I feel good about doing this show? I have to tell you, here's a sentimental, cheesy thing to say, but that's totally true. As a uh, as a new parent, I tell you, I think a lot about, it's so overwhelming to think about, man, this kid's entering the world. How do I teach this kid about the world? And I tell you, I feel really lucky that I've been able to host this show because I feel like I've learned about the world one hour at a time through people. And it actually really fills me with a lot of joy when I think about it, that I'll be able to... Have all that perspective when I talk to this kid. Okay, that was very sentimental, but it was true. want to remind everybody, there's a bunch of live, beautiful, anonymous tapings coming up. Um, We haven't done them in a while. We have London coming up. I'm really hoping people come out and buy tickets for that. Woodstock, Detroit. Tickets on sale, chrisgeth.com slash live. And I'm doing stand-up in a whole bunch of cities. We just opened some up for Chicago, second Buffalo show. So check chrisgeth.com slash live. I'm doing a tour where uh, I'm bringing cameras. One of the things I want to capture is not just the stand-up material itself, but the conversations I get to have with people after shows. And that's largely all of you. So nice, so open, so warm. It's just a very unique thing that I think not many comedians uh, have and i want to kind of show the world what it looks like anyway this call today this conversation is it's really layered it's it it was a lot to unwrap i had to really take my time you'll notice i had to take my time this call comes out of the gate so strong telling us about her current relationship status and it's immediately fascinating right as the conversation begins you're going to i think oh wow okay that that's a lot but it's just the tip of the iceberg this caller details some addictions that are very specific and not ones that maybe live in our minds at the forefront of our minds when we think of addictions and but they're very real and they've had a massive effect on her life and she talks about how and i think it'll be Really, really interesting for a lot of people because I bet there's a lot of people who you have, either you or someone in your life who falls down a rabbit hole that's very specific and maybe hard to wrangle and hard to understand. It's having a massive effect and it's hard to sort out. This caller's right in the thick of that. And man, I was fascinated by it. I bet you will be as well. Enjoy this conversation.
1: Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hi. Hello. Hi. Hi. Can you hear me?
0: Yeah. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hi. <laughs> hi. Hello.
1: Hello. <laughs> hi. How are you? Oh my gosh. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, ba- would... I'm going to think I'm on a pre-recording if you keep saying hi.
0: You started it. Uh, you, <laughs> you you kicked that off. I'm just following your lead. The answer to You're how right. am I is bouncing back. That's the honest answer. Cool. How about you? Same, honestly. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. I'm overcoming.
0: Wow. I hope everything's ultimately all right.
1: I think it will be.
0: Fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. I got a good life. I've got-
1: been dealt some good cards. That's good. Yeah. Um, so I've been, I'm so excited right now. I've been wanting to do this for so long. I can't even remember why, because <laughs> I don't, I don't know why I want to have my voice out in the world, but I'm doing it anyway. So yeah, it's cool.
0: Well, I'm you've glad. done a great
1: thing with this podcast. It's cool.
0: Thanks. I'm glad you uh, I'm glad you like yeah. it and I'm glad you want to be a part of it.
1: Mhm. Okay, so what do you want to
0: talk about? I mean, really, you know the answer to this is what it's whatever you have to talk. About. Nobody's nobody's listening to this show to okay. hear me. They're listening to hear you, to yeah. hear us stumble down some rabbit holes together.
1: Okay, cool. Well, do you want to hear about my shit? the stuff that's going on with me right now.
0: Yeah, that's why I'm here. That's why they put that's why okay. they put me on this green earth to hear about Great. your shit. So.
1: <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Okay, so I am in love with somebody who's incarcerated. Like we started dating and then a whole world of things happened and then he got put in jail and it's been a lot of transitions. And I really related to one of the callers from a few months back who was going into jail Mm -hmm. um, because this has kind of become like a large part of my life right now. Basically, uh, I'm in a 12-step program called Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. Mm -hmm. Um, And for that reason, I don't have a Facebook, but... He has me use his Facebook sometimes to uh reach out to his family and let them know what's going on and things like that. So basically I just got onto his Facebook to do some earnest reaching out and um I saw a conversation I didn't want to see.
0: <laughs>
1: and the tough thing about this is I can't call him and be mad at him about it. Like I I'm kinda of, my hands are kinda of tied, I have to cope with this on my own. And that's like a a great thing because I don't have to act on my first reaction. I can just be with my support group and be with my creator and, and process it that way instead of like calling him and flipping out. Wow.
0: There's a lot to unpack there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> my wife is a lot to unpack.
0: Well, I'm assuming, it sounds like this conversation, when you say a conversation you don't want to see, this sounds like he was uh, maybe crossing some lines romantically with someone who was not you. Was it that type of conversation?
1: Yeah. um, It was a bit of like talking to, like talking to bros and being like, uh, it was during the time, he was out for like three months and I was only able to visit him for a week because he lives across the country and it's. I'm just trying to be really responsible about my boundaries right now. So I only came up for a week and I guess he was just trying to, you know, am I allowed to curse?
0: Yes. Say whatever you want. You just have to apologize to my mom afterwards.
1: I think, (laughs) sorry, mom.
0: Her name's Sally. Um,
1: Sally. Okay. Hi, Sally.
0: I'm
1: sorry. But I think he was just trying to fuck somebody while he was out, which Mm -hmm. I get like, I I don't have that urge, but I understand that that's a human urge, and I sympathize with it, and I understand it. What I don't want is, like, lying to me, because that'll make me go crazy. So I've just got to call—I've got to talk to him and be like, hey, please don't lie. Just tell me what's up. And then if he lies, then I'm going to have to make a whole world of a decision, kind of. Yeah. That'll change my life. It's okay, and I've got to be willing to take on these things instead of living in denial, because that was my old life before sobriety.
0: Now, you were dating before he was incarcerated. Yeah. Were you in love before he was incarcerated, or has that developed in the time he's been in?
1: Yeah, we, we were in love. We were dating for about a year, um, and then I decided to move back to my hometown, I feel like everyone that's listening to this that knows me is going to know it's me, but basically we met in an activist setting. We were both activists and I was part of my slaw stuff. My sex and love stuff is I'm addicted to activism. I'm, addi- I'm addicted to like doing right by the world. Um, cause I was raised Catholic and I've got that martyr complex or whatever. Um, I hear you. Yeah, I know you do. Um, I'm not Catholic anymore, but yeah. So uh, basically I decided to leave because I needed to make a life for myself and I needed to, honestly, I needed to keep doing activism. That was my biggest reason. I was like addicted to it. Then we were apart and we like fucked around for a few years, but we were in love with each other. And then by the time I got sober, he was, he was in jail and um, it's for something he didn't do. And, I know he didn't do it. We all know he didn't do it. All the proof says he didn't do it. It's like a racial. It's a. He was wrongly incarcerated for, his. Just identity in the world, and his. I don't
0: know if that makes sense, but. It sounds like you're saying it. Seems, it seems like you don't want to share exactly what the charges were, but you're saying he did not yeah. get a fair shake in the justice system. In your opinion.
1: Yeah. Exactly.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: In a lot of people's opinions, yeah.
0: Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. And how how long has he been in? How long is he going to be in?
1: So he was in about a year pre-trial. Again, fuck the justice system. Um, and then his trial just happened about a month ago, and he's going to be in for three years
0: three additional years yeah yeah that's uh that's a lot that's a lot of time out of your life it's a lot
1: (sighs) it's a lot of time out of his life I feel like I don't want I need to do a lot of like self-searching and a lot of um not romantically at all really but um like getting on my own two feet and being like emotionally stable and working on my relationship with my family and all that stuff. So it, it feels okay to me, like three years feels okay to me. The main thing that is tough is that like, it's, it's scary to let my mind go about the things that could happen to him in there and um, the loneliness and the fear and the pain that he's in and um, his grandma's dying and you know all that shit that is is tough for him but again I'm focusing on him and not me but I I feel like I mean I'm not in jail so
0: (sighs) I feel like maybe my questions are going to jump back and forth between a few topics you've brought up because clearly there are things that relate to each other in your mind as they're kind of being explained. And I just want to ask questions to help see how they all tie together.
1: Yeah, that's that's how conversations go, I think.
0: I think so, in my experience doing this. So I want to ask, again, not to pry, and certainly, especially when it comes to... <laughs>
1: no, I'm an open book. It's y- my responsibility to set my own boundaries. So you go at it. All
0: right, here we go. So you say you... Addicted to activism, you say that that was a driving force that you realized was an addiction that you needed some space to kind of control. How does that fall under the umbrella of sex and love addiction versus something that seems to me like that might be something that sounds maybe more like what you might call workaholic in some people's minds or something that would be sorted out through one-on-one therapy I'm not. I'm. I'm curious to hear how that relates to sex and love addiction, which is a, a very specific thing.
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, I tried going to workaholics meetings, and um, they they have a joke that's like, we're all too busy working to be here. Um, and I was like the only one that showed up, <laughs> so that one didn't work out for me. Um, and I am in therapy, also. Uh, mm-hmm. I've found a lot of. Recovery from twelve steps. I'm also in uh NA narcotics. Um mm-hmm. but I found a lot of help with law because the reason that I do what I do is not t- like I think a lot of workaholics and I I've had this experience too with so like with the other job I have is to like obsessively keep myself busy and distract myself from whatever's bothering me. Like you know, obsessively do work. But what activism was, was like, I'm going to take the world on my shoulders. It's my responsibility to fix all this shit. And I'm going to try to do it. It's up to me. Um, and much like when I was a kid, I would try and save the people I was dating. You know, Mm -hmm. I tried to do that with the world. (laughs) the
0: ultimate X. I feel like maybe, maybe one thing you can explain that as we're talking, I'm realizing I don't, I don't quite know the difference of is, you know, the name of the program you're in is sex and love addiction. And I think, you know, I think, uh, I know a sex addiction, I feel like is a more concrete behavior in my mind, and I would imagine a lot of people's minds. You can imagine people who put themselves yeah. in risky sexual situations, people who have sexual compulsions that they maybe can't can't wrangle in a healthy way. Um, and I think that can take on a number of different forms. And there's been TV shows about that and discussions of that. Mm-hmm. Love addiction sounds like maybe more like you're trying to save the world and it seems like it maybe relates a little more to that. Is that on target in your experience? I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm realizing as yeah, we talk about it, loud, I, it's it's the more abstract one in my mind.
1: Yeah, it definitely is. Like we know when we're drinking sometimes. <laughs> like I know in the, when I wake up in the morning, like did I break my sobriety with drugs? Yeah, or no, usually no. <laughs> but um, with love, it's like, the way I've heard it described is, can you hear the cars driving by? Do I need to go somewhere else?
0: No, we're good. Even Jared's not mad. and he His, way, his ears are finely tuned machines. So okay. if, he's, if he's not hearing it, you're good to go.
1: So I wake up every morning with alcohol in my mouth and I have to spit it out. Like, with love. It's like I have to constantly set boundaries with myself so that I can... And a lot of people don't like saying love. They say intrigue or romance instead because it's not real love, obviously. Like I do love, I feel like I need to change his name because I want to say it, but like uh, Jimmy, like I do love Jimmy, but I i don't love a lot of the other things in my life that I thought I loved. Um, activism being one of them.
0: So you'll participate in I, activities or relationships to fill a void and convince yourself yeah, that maybe it's... the void that so- I'm
1: not... Like, specifically the void that I'm not good enough just existing, that I need to prove my place on this earth, and that it's my fault that anything is bad, that somebody else is sad. That's my fault, and I need to fix it. Or injustice is my responsibility, which a lot of times it is, and that's why it gets so confusing. Or, I mean... It's my responsibility like as a white person to do work to to dismantle racism, right? So but it's not I can't solely take that on and fix everything.
0: Right? That's not a one person job and if racism is not solved outright it's not it's not Yeah. It can't be all yeah. on your shoulders versus society society needs to change.
1: And I'm not the one that's going to change it. People of color are the ones that are doing the work right now. And they're the people that like just specifically involving racism. They're the people that I can support in succeeding and blooming and they just need, well, I don't know what they need, but oftentimes it's just that I need to step out of the way and let people bloom.
0: Mm -hmm. So you'll participate in a cause sort of akin to the one you're describing and it'll start with good intentions and then it gets out of control. It, it shows itself to be an unhealthy addiction at a certain point, And that, and that, and that's, yeah. where, that's where it becomes problematic. Now, can I ask, I don't yeah. want to make a joke because I'm very respectful of people in recovery and I've struggled with addiction myself in a few different forms. These meetings, I, I have to wonder is there ever any? Is there ever any push and pull having sex addicts and love addicts? Because what you're doing, like I could imagine someone getting up and telling a very, a very intense. Story. And, and again, not trying to out anybody, but just theoretically, I could imagine these meetings where someone is standing up and going, you know, I have, I have fallen down a dark road of, you know. Into getting blackout drunk every night and finding a new sexual partner. And that I, that I know that's very dangerous and I can't stop myself from doing it, which feels to me so different from going, I participate in activist causes to give myself some sense of validation. And then that becomes sort of the dopamine rush that I chase too hard. Those feel like different things to me. It makes me wonder if those meetings yeah. ever have like a, 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 a an imbalance or a push and pull it's really fascinating to think about. An Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, everyone there is at least dealing with alcohol. Sounds like sex and love are, are kind of very different things in these, in these terms, and those meetings must get funky sometimes. Okay, let's pause. I want to just admit, not the smartest way I've ever asked the question, do the meetings get funky? Not a high point of uh, my tenure as a professional conversationalist, but look—you can't if you can't be at the top of your game. Sixty minutes a call, twenty-four hours a day. Time for ads. Use the promo codes. We'll be right back. Thanks to all of our advertisers, and thank you to listeners for uh, considering using those promo codes and helping the show. Now let's get back to the phone call. Sounds like sex and love are, are kind of very different things in these, in these terms and those meetings must get funky sometimes.
1: Um, well, yes. But when you think about it, like I would wake up in jail (laughs) too. Really? I would wake up in jail too. Yeah. I mean, that's what my activism was all about, was about getting arrested and fucking everything up. And every time I, spent saw a cop, like, feeling, you know, getting aggro. Like, and that's why it got selfish is because instead of, like, being responsible, like, some people are like, oh, I'm in the mood for wine tonight. Or, like, yeah, I feel really upset about this cause, so I'm going to go to a protest. It was like, every at every turn, I got in fights. I got in a fight at an airport one time.
0: Well, oh, that's, <laughs> they don't... That never goes well. They don't. That's not a place (laughs) where you can get in a fight. And they're like, "Hey, why don't you, uh, why don't you ski that all, you rabble rouser? You mess around at you mess around at an airport. You start to see some of those weird back rooms at an airport. Yeah. Did you get held in one of these weird behind behind the scenes? Tell me about this. (laughs)
1: Um. Well. Okay. So a guy was wearing a jersey. Um an R-A-D-E-S-K-I-N-S jersey. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote him this. I was trying to be responsible. I was trying to not go wild because wild, he was with his children.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> it's, not funny. it's not funny. So he's just a but football fan. A in letter.
0: his mind, he's just a football fan in Washington, D.C., waiting for his flight with his kids. That's his perspective on what's going on.
1: Yes. And oh, I wrote him a letter that was like, here's how you're wrong, and here's how... And I handed it to him.
0: You wrote a letter in the terminal when you saw it. (laughs) Yes. You riled off a missive Um, in the terminal. Yeah. Wow, okay.
1: And I wrote him a letter, and I was like, "Here's, here's what I've seen. Here's how I've seen this word hurt other people. Here's the history of this word. And he got really defensive as one as one does. And he grabbed me and then I shoved him and then um I yelled and then we got separated. And my parents were there. <laughs> and my parents are conservative Trump supporters.
0: Wow that must so be my mom was crying. That sounds like it must be a bit of an uh, issue for you.
1: Yeah, well I've definitely learned. I've done more work in my recovery. I've done better work in my recovery with that than I did before that. Like, another big thing I realized is like, I'm going off, I'm living in these encampments, I'm getting arrested, and yet my parents are voting for Trump. And maybe what I, maybe the tough work for me is to do the less glamorous, exciting, fun things and to just sit down with my parents and love them and hear where they're coming from and teach them about my experience. Like, um, we just had a local election and my dad asked me what to do and about my opinions about the, uh, the people running and, and he like cared about what I said instead of, and he ended up voting for, the people that I believe are like the best option in that circumstance. And instead of us having this huge argument where he, um, where we stopped talking and he cried and all that. So,
0: does that make sense? it does it does, and I can see it's really beautiful to hear you hear you say because it sounds to me so yeah, that sounds to me like as I'm sorting it all out because and again I, I apologize, but it, it's such a fascinating but somewhat confusing thing to think about this addiction in 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 that term. It's like hearing you say like, oh, I actually managed to make some one on one progress in a real way with the person in my life versus it sounds almost like you were addicted to the idea of like being some sort of superhero in a in a, a,
1: a hundred yeah. percent. Like a crusader. Like I was. Wow. And with my with my with Jimmy, like that's what it was like because he was like I was talking about race all the time and he was just like, Can we not? I don't need to talk about it all the time. Like when I see you, I don't see a white person. I see my the person I'm in love with. And like, we don't need to talk about it all the time. And I would get, I would be so angry that he was getting arrested. And so, like, if I had had to go to court in my addiction, I would have had to really seize myself up and bite (laughs) my tongue till it bled in order to not
0: be held, you would have been held in contempt instantly no one would have gotten a word out and you would have been up on a desk that's this i can see now more and more how this was really affecting your life you would have been, you would have been removed instantly from a courtroom setting
1: yeah maybe maybe if if i had kept going i would have you know <laughs> and and that's the i would have held everything i just i would have like life was so blurry I it's possible I wouldn't have been able to control
0: myself. Yeah. I can see it now. I can see it now. Are you doing do you feel like having some space and some time some awareness of this? Do you feel like you're starting to get some breathing room and kind of get to a more realistic place of how to how to help Definitely. him? Definitely.
1: It's been over a year that I've been sober. I just got my 1 year chip.
0: And when you say sober, can I ask, does that mean, because you had mentioned narcotics as well, do you mean sobriety from narcotics? Or in in the world of sex and love addiction, do they also, they they refer to that as sobriety as well?
1: Yeah, so you do these, they're they're called bottom line behaviors, and it's basically like you make a list of the shit you're not going to do. So like, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to have a social media profile. I'm not going to go to a protest I'm not, um, another thing I added was I'm not going to give gifts. I didn't give gifts for a year. Um, there were like a few gifts I gave that I talked to my sponsor about it in advance and we worked it out and I decided to give a gift. Um, I didn't have sex, but that's not the goal of sex and love addicts anonymous. It's not to not have sex and love. It's to, Um, the way they phrase it is thoughtful, committed decisions instead of feelings by which I'm overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. if I have sex, it's a thoughtful, committed decision. So I've had sex once, um, in like a little over a year, um, or yeah, like almost two years actually. Um, so that, and then you set those bottom line behaviors and then you don't do that for some people. It's like, I'm not going to get on Tinder. You know.
0: Right. All that. Right.
1: Like or and then for some people it it's not related to sex and love. Like for me it's a protest. Like not I don't think I've met anyone else in my group who has who has that on their bottom lines. But, you know, people have all kinds of different things. And then and then you add them and take them away. Like one time I had this interaction with somebody where we got in a fight. And I told, I called my sponsor crying about it. And she was like, okay, that person is on your bottom lines now. So you can't talk to them anymore. And I was like, what? I'm never going to talk to this person again. It was my Uber driver, and, but I did it. And that person was on my bottom lines for as long as I needed him to be, <laughs> which was like two hours.
0: Right. And right.
1: You know, like, Yeah.
0: So it allows you to, it it allows you even in a way like that where it is pretty, it's 99% certain you're never going to see this person again. It allows you to build some structure of the behavior in your life that you feel a little more in control of. Yeah. And I can see, I can see it now. I I, thank you for taking your time with me because I was, I was very, um, I, I was, I was definitely trying to sort it out in my mind, but I can see that the, this need to um, this need to feel like a savior, this need to sort of feel like a hero. If it gets to a point where you're like yelling at Uber drivers during a trip, Uber drivers, Uber rides are generally not very long or getting in a pushing match yeah. with someone in front well, of his family in an airport. I can see how it's like, oh yeah, this is taking over. This is taking over your life in a way that's not yeah. sustainable. To
1: give contact to the Uber driver, it was like I left my wallet in his car Mm. And he said it was going to cost two hundred dollars for me to get it back.
0: Oh no. No, um, no! Do the right thing.
1: Yeah. So yeah. So we didn't get in like a political fight or something. I but want... yeah, I was like crying and called my sponsor, and she was like, "It's a wallet. You're you're freaking out. You're losing your mind over a wallet right mm-hmm, now." So. Mm-hmm. What are you gonna do?
0: I once lost a hat in a lift. I was once in a lift, and I left my hat in there. And it was a it was a very silly hat, but a special hat to me. And I can't tell you how much it affected me in a way it shouldn't have, and uh, made me so sad. It was a very yeah. It was a hat. It was a baseball hat that had a fishing hook on the brim, and it said on the top, "Work sucks, yeah. going fishing." And it had some fake beer bottles. I don't drink. <laughs> I don't fish. A friend got me the hat. It was a, a specific... My friend Mike Berbiglia bought me the hat while we were on the road together as a joke where he's like, you should wear this hat. It was such a hat that was out of character for me. And I lost the hat and I felt like I lost something bigger than that. Anyway, that's about me, not about you. Let me go back to asking, so do you visit... You, you had said that... So his name is not really Jimmy. You, you said that was a placeholder that we're going to use for the call, right? Hello? uh-oh, are you so astounded by my story of my fishing-based hat that you're shocked into silence? Is that, what hap- is, that, is that what's happening here? I feel like what happened is that story of the hat blew our collar away so hardcore that she can't fathom topping that, and therefore she had to hang up because the fishing hat story was just so... Hello? F- Hello? Hi. Did the oh did the fishing Ugh. did the story of my hat blow you away so much that you had to hang up because it was filling you with such excitement and joy?
1: I was like, this is too much. Yeah. No, so I ac- I was trying kind to. Of, oh my gosh! I I just screamed out loud. <laughs> <laughs> I accidentally hung up. <laughs>
0: These things happen. These things happen. Don't worry about. it. I wanted to ask you. I just want to make sure you've been calling him Jimmy, um, your partner, but you you had said that's not that's his real not- name. That's a placeholder name, right? Yeah. Can I yeah, no. can I yeah, ask you I guy,
1: Jimmy that's in prison.
0: So you said he's in a prison across the country from you at this point? Yeah. How mm-hmm. how often do you get to A communicate and B visit in person?
1: So he just got to the prison where he's like a more long term prison and before that he was in county prisons, um, which just have a lot of varying regulations and stuff so I got to see him when he was out uh spoiler alert that's who I had sex with um but before that I was just able to see him even even though I went to I drove all the way to visit him it was video I'm not allowed to see him in person because there are all kinds of people that are in there um and that's just the rule they've set up
0: so even you're so, saying at the if you go all the way to the prison, you're still talking on a video monitor?
1: Yeah, it was, it was really tough.
0: That sucks. And there are all
1: kinds of people around. There are all kinds of people listening to our conversation, like not just guards, but like the other people in the waiting room, like I can see them in the reflection, like looking at my conversation and on his end, like, you know, people being nosy, like it was really tough.
0: So you got to fly, you got to get on a plane and fly all the way out there to effectively just have like a Skype conversation? No, I drove. You drove. drove. How long is the drive? 18 hours. You drive 18, did you know this was going to be the setup? Yeah. So you drive 18 hours and you're in the same facility as this guy you love and you got to sit there basically on FaceTime while other people watch and listen.
1: Yeah, that's brutal. And I do am the up there. Like I'm really close with his family, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um. So I'd go up there. Um, there's ceremony, so I usually I'd go up when there's ceremony and do something like that and hang out with his family.
0: Right. So there's other reasons to visit fun. and make it worth the 18 hour drive. That's so. There's no world in which you had mentioned that this was the person that you slept with, um. So there's no world in which there's like conjugal visits or anything like that. You don't even get to look each other well, in Well, we're the, not married. Oh, is that only for married people? That makes sense.
1: Yeah, and it's tough because we don't want to get well, we haven't wanted to get married in the eyes of the law, but if I if we want to like really see each other, mm-hmm. there are more privileges allowed if if we get legally married.
0: So you wouldn't have to talk on the video monitor in that case, but then you're also opting into it. It sounds like you and uh, Jimmy, as we're calling him, it sounds like neither one of you are necessarily into the system. It sounds like this is not something you buy into. It doesn't sound like you want to go before a, a magistrate and get a marriage certificate. It sounds like that would be a little bit contradictory towards your interest in life.
1: Yes, but we're talking about doing it Anyway.
0: Just so you can have a goddamn um, hug in the next three years.
1: Yeah. Well, at the new prison, I probably will be able to see him and hold his hand. Um, it all just depends on where he's at.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's brutal. That's brutal. And
1: it's really like, depending on the circumstances, I could drive all the way up there and they could have some high profile guy that just got sent there. And then he'd uh, he'd be on lockdown and I wouldn't be able to see him. Or he'd be on lockdown and I'd just be able to do the video monitoring thing, I guess. Or, you know, it's all just right. like so up in the air.
0: Very yeah, I would imagine that you might be driving. That You might be at hour 17 and then some, uh, something happens in there where there's like an incident. Um, someone gets caught yeah. doing something. There's something violent happens and all of a sudden it's like, well... If you had gotten here 90 minutes ago, you would have been able to hold hands. But sorry, not happening now.
1: um, What happened, I was just up with his family for two weeks, like hanging out. And um, I went to go visit him and put money on his books. And I put the money on there. And then they were like, I was in line waiting and then like to see him and then. I was waiting and waiting and then they were like, Oh, he just got transferred and I was like, Can I have my money back? And they were like, No, it's already in in the system so
0: Ooh, that's um, that's not good.
1: That's not yeah, bad. it was it's it's an exercise in patience for sure.
0: The prison prison system <sighs> is uh problematic. I feel like it is. I feel, 100%. Like, I feel like even the most uh I think anybody who's reasonable would look at it and say it's problematic. Let me ask you, um, is he in jail for stuff related to your activism? Either either in what he's actually been convicted for, or as you know, you say that you do not believe he did the crime. Do you feel like in some ways part of why he's in there is because he's being punished for his activism through yeah, the justice a- system?
1: The his lawyer basically said that so his the actual crime isn't related to that. Um, but his lawyer was like, Okay, so another thing is that in order to like, so the judge needed support uh letters, and the easiest way for me to get a lot of support letters was to um reach out to other activists who wouldn't talk about the activism, but would be like, he's, he's a good person. Um, uh, and the, his activism is one of the ways in which he's known by his community. He is a great, he's done much better things than I have. And he's remained calm in much better ways than I have. Um, but so it's not like he's done a lot of the wild things. Um, but he's has got arrested too. Anyway, his lawyer was like, if we let this go to trial, they're going to judge you on all those things, even if that's not how the law works technically. So yeah. Um, his sentence was going to be a lot worse if he went to trial, he had to take a plea bargain.
0: So he Um, he took the plea so as to not kind of be nailed to the wall for stuff unrelated to the actual charges. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to ask you something tough, but I'm sure you thought about it. Mm -hmm. You've said that this aspect of your life, and you just said that he was able, you said that you got more wild than he did with it. I think you used the word wild. So it, yeah. with you it became addictive with you it became a thing where you're getting in cops faces and getting in fights in airports and it's and you have to take a step back and go okay this is out of control this is out of control. You've mentioned a few yeah. times you're off social media and I can see that I mean social media is built right now where you I bet I bet there's times where people in your position might go oh I I just sat down to write one post and then wound up fighting with people about politics for 10 hours on Twitter. I could see that. I can see I how that's an that. addiction. Yeah. yeah. Let me ask you though. This is a person who is incarcerated right now. You're saying that at least on some level, um his reputation in in the world of activism is is part of why he's in there um, through at the very least like circumstantial or tangential connections. A sensitive question, because I never want to question love. and it sounds like you have a lot of admiration and love for for this guy was there ever any consideration that he should become one of those people on your on your list because yeah equating it to something like aa i would imagine it sounds like this would be a person who would be considered in that metaphor as like your number one drinking buddy wow hard-hitting question that there there i go back at the top of my game. hard-hitting question Get the answer right after this. In the meantime, check out our sponsors. Use the promo codes. It really helps the show when you do. We'll be right back. Thanks again to all our advertisers. Now let's finish off the phone call. Equating it to something like AA, I would imagine it sounds like this would be a person who would be considered in that metaphor as like your number one drinking buddy.
1: Yeah, so... We call those people qualifiers, a person that we're un like, so a qualifier is basically a drink. It's somebody we're unable to not act out around. Mm -hmm. Um, and I have had to cut out a lot of people like that. A lot of people, um, like 95% of the people that I was involved with, uh, not just romantically, uh, mostly non romantically in activism but uh yeah i we go on periods of no contact um for my sake which has been hard because he's uh like contact is what helps him stay sane in there um and i i just basically follow my sponsor's advice and the other people in my recovery program um, and I think I'm going to have to well I've been planning on doing that again once he gets into a more stable prison situation and now that this stuff is happening where I'm a little confused about him I'm probably I'm going to do it again I think yeah I mean that occurs to me all the time and it, it kind of has to occur to me yeah but me and my sponsor and all of them have decided it's it hasn't been that because <clears throat> he's uh he's somebody that I'm not acting out with most of the time like in activism, I was acting out like he was around during that, and then like right now I feel like it's getting shaky with all this with all this stuff, but in other times it hasn't been that it's been uh much more like spiritual and calm and loving and um, real love and uh yeah
0: and and you expressed that he was someone who maybe brought up some of the concern of hey we don't have to we don't have to be at a fever pitch about this stuff all the time so he was maybe someone who saw he, it oh, early yeah that it was getting a little out of control.
1: Yeah. One of the hardest, um, things that I had to make an amends to him about was that I came up to visit him when he was like, before all the jail stuff happened. And, um, Charlottesville, it just happened. Um,
0: you,
1: you know, and, uh, for some reason, the plane I was on that time, I was on a plane, um, had like live TV and I was watching like my friends get arrested and watching, I watched live as that, sorry, there's a plane overhead watching live as, um, that really horrible thing happened. And, um, I got really, really freaked out. Um, and when I got off the plane, I was like, we need to go there. Like, we need to go there right now. And he was like, Are you kidding me? Somebody just died. Why would we go there? And I was like, We have to go there. And he was like, No, we don't. We don't have to go there. And I was just 100% shooken. Like, so, but, but I do that also, not, not just because of the activism, but because it's scary to trust somebody. It's scary to be with, it was scary to be with somebody that I loved instead of being in um, a violent situation because that's something that makes me more comfortable. I feel like I I felt like I was better in crisis than I was in calm. And that has to do with the way I was brought up too.
0: Mm-hmm. So you would seek out chaos. You would seek out crisis.
1: That's, that's the thing. That's, that's the jot.
0: Now, how... How do you anticipate this uh this convo going about, hey, you know, you let me in your Facebook inbox. I wasn't trying to be a snoop, but this thing was sitting there. I wish I hadn't seen it, but I did. How do you think this combo's going to go?
1: I can't really I've got to let go of of his side. I don't know. I have no idea what he'll say. All I can be responsible for is my side, so I've kind of planned out what I'm going to say. And then if it goes a certain way that I don't want it to go, I'm going to have to accept that. And uh, if it goes the way I want it to go, then, yeah. So I can't really have any expectations.
0: I feel like this is not the case, but I just want to ask, being that you're someone in your situation where there's so many things that you need to disconnect from, in order to sort of feel a little more stable and healthy. Has has there been any discussion with your loved ones, your sponsors? Is, is dating someone who's 18 hours away and completely unavailable, is that, do you ever wonder if that is, how would I phrase it? Not sober. Or, or, built in a way that gives you the distance you need to heal up. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's why I've gone on no contact sometimes. And that's what I'm wondering right now. Um, Okay. I feel like I've done a lot of know-it-all kind of, I tell you, know-it-all stuff in this conversation, but I genuinely want to know, like, what do you think you'd do if this happened to your wife? If your wife was wrongly accused of something and she was in
0: jail. I mean I'd be going Maybe I'd, before you well, got me. My, I mean if I'm uh if I'm really trying to put myself in that emotional place, I'd be I I'd be losing my mind. I'd be I wouldn't be able to talk calmly about it on the phone with some guy I never met. I'd be flipping out. I can't imagine. I'd feel I would imagine I'd feel like I was uh the only thing I can think, of, I, I I would I feel like I would feel like I was like a caged animal. Like somebody needs to let me out of here because this has to be dealt with. This isn't right. Can't imagine somebody locked up my wife, and I was like, "That's not. This isn't based in truth." I'd be, I'd be losing it. You're doing a lot better. It sounds like than I would would be doing, for sure.
1: Well, I wasn't doing better when it first happened. Like, I think this is what led to my bottom is that I wasn't dealing with it. I was in my hometown, like, acting out, getting arrested, dating other people, hurting them because I was in love with somebody else. Like, I was like a caged animal, except I wasn't really caged, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> hmm but you're out there like a feral. You're you're running rough over your yeah, world. Yeah, like
1: a raccoon. Yeah. Well, I can't imagine. I mean,
0: if yeah, if you're a, a, we can't bring up raccoons on this show. It's a real sore spot for a lot. Of, we did a raccoon attack episode recently with someone who had been attacked by a rabid raccoon, and it was really, it was a hell of an episode. Yeah. It's okay. These I mean, listen, it's life. Sometimes hands you a, a raccoon that comes charging out of the woods. It's real fucked up. But yeah, I can imagine. I, can, I was the raccoon. <laughs> You were the raccoon in this world. You were the raccoon jumping out of a creek, pouncing upon unsuspecting people. I want
1: to make amends to the person who was hurt by the raccoon.
0: <laughs> yeah, you, so you hear that story and you actually identify with the raccoon more than the human of just being the chaos bringer, oh, yeah. the unpredictable chaos bringer in a lot of people's lives in your world. Yeah. But when you boil it down to something as simple as that, the person I love gets locked up unjustly. I I mean, I got to say, as someone who's had a few stretches in my life where I've maybe gone off the deep end a little bit, I think you're allowed to go off the deep end in that situation. I think everybody needs to... I think everyone should reserve the right to kind of go off the deep end, let's say three times in the course of their life, to just really bottom out and, uh, and have to rebuild. I think that that's... You know, we sit around being so scared of that. And I get it. It's a terrifying thing. But I also think you got to give yourself permission to do that as long as you kind of bounce back and get stronger from it. But certainly I think that... Or
1: maybe just, well, as a love addict and a codependent, like, I just, I wish I could bottom out without hurting anybody else.
0: Right, without tearing the whole thing down around you.
1: Yeah, like if I could just bottom out in my room, which I guess is what drugs, well, no, it's not. It all, it all hurts somebody else. And yeah, I would love to run away from everybody and bottom out, but that's not how life works. Like, that's basically what I did to my parents and they got hurt.
0: Right, I mean, that's they part. They
1: had to see me on the news and, you know.
0: Really, so you, you, you've been in situations that got so out of control that you were in the news, that your loved ones saw you in the news.
1: I mean, not like...
0: You weren't the lead story, but they see some footage of some stuff and they see you in there.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Wow. But I got to tell you, I just want to finish the thought. The person you love gets thrown into prison and you know in your heart that it's for something they didn't really do and they're being judged for stuff that has nothing to do with this. I think you have a right to kind of... I think that you definitely have a right to hit a wall in that situation. I think it's warranted. As long as you get stronger from it, I think it's okay.
1: Yeah. Somebody just told me yesterday if you don't learn from a relapse, you're doing it wrong. Like I've learned a lot from this and I hope I can grow grow up to be stronger for it.
0: I'll also go ahead and say something else I, that I hope gives you some some relief maybe. Who knows? But I think if you because it sounds like this was long-term behavior. It sounds like it's something that kind of ha- has caused some some trouble in your life and the lives of people around you a few times. And I'm not excusing all that. But in this particular circumstance where someone you love gets put behind bars, if you don't lose it, I think it's actually just as unhealthy as if you do. Right? If you can just go, oh, cool, I guess I'll see you in three years, That's that's not healthy either. So I don't know if they're based on who yeah. you, based on who you were and the fact that maybe you're prone to some chaos and to diving headfirst into some situations that 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 sort of tore your world down. Like how was it not gonna happen when your guy gets thrown in jail? How's it not gonna happen? I don't
1: know. Maybe just through spirituality, like right now. I mean, you've caught me on a tough day, but like usually it's just like all these good things are going to happen. He's going to get a GED. He's going to stay out of trouble. I'm going to heal. And there are, I mean, this path I'm walking, this path has been laid out in front of me for a reason and it's going to be okay. And good things are happening all around me. Bad things are happening all around me too, but,
0: Yeah. It's easy to forget. It's easy to... I, I actually feel like what you just said is a very good reminder for where I'm at right now. Because it's easy to say bad things are happening all around me and to just convince yourself that's all there is. But the other side of what you said is, well, there's good things happening too. And uh, sometimes you got to remind yourself of that so that you can come up for air and, and keep breathing.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's just... The- one of the only good coping mechanisms that exist, because it's like, when I'm at the bottom, what else am I supposed to do? But, well, this is so cheesy, but you know that thing that's like, when you're at the bottom, all you can see is the stars or whatever. It's like, yeah.
0: Have you, you, is part of your recovery brainstorming ways in which you feel, because, you had every good intention of having a positive effect on the world. And then you've described a few situations today where you're like, well, well, yeah, that's the particularly the one jumping out. It's like if you get in a shoving match with a guy in an airport in front of his kids, yeah, this is taking on a form that is... is, is, is there's, there's some unregulated emotion there where it makes sense. You wind up really wanting to deal with that. Has there been any brainstorming to go, how do I... How do I walk that line of wanting to be a positive person who works hard to make the world I live in a better place, without it taking on this form of sort of um, the martyr complex that you laid out, or or the the hero's journey that you're trying to walk, and becomes more of a healthy expression of well, I can help the world, yeah. and it doesn't need to become driven by out of control emotions.
1: Well, I think like with the thing with my parents that I am mentioned.
0: That's yes, one of yes. them
1: like helping the family, his family and uh him and doing things anonymously and not telling anybody
0: right, like, so it's not about getting the credit for it, it's about doing it,
1: yeah, and I'm at that point now where it's been over a year, and it's like those opportunities are coming towards me, and I just have to be selective about what I can do which is
0: sad but um
1: yeah i think that that i'm also going into fucking social work (laughs) so
0: (laughs) well that's going to be walking a real razor's edge huh i know a lot of broken systems
1: what i do now is just taking care of dogs um Mm -hmm. which feels like that because it's like i'm nourishing somebody and taking care of them and walking them, feeding them, but I'm not, you know, it's non-political. Um, my, my uncle has Down syndrome and taking care of him. So- like, and also I think taking care of myself is, is taking care of the world in that it, if, if I can't take care of myself, then I'm not taking I can't do anything else, obviously, and if we lived in a perfect world where everyone was able to just nourish themselves and take care of themselves, then maybe we wouldn't have any problems. If Trump was able to go to therapy and um, some some racism classes and whatever, maybe this wouldn't be an issue.
0: <sighs> yeah, I, I think you just stumbled into something. Whether you hate Trump or you're a full-on MAGA enthusiast, I think every one thing everyone can agree on is there's there's not there's not a psychiatric professional in this world <laughs> tra- who has enough degrees to unwrap that. I don't think even his biggest supporters, right? Anyone who I got assigned to be his to therapist, <laughs> oh my god, that would be. You want to talk about a prison sentence? Whoever gets stuck being his shrink, wow. Wow,
1: but then again, that's not some—that's not him taking care of himself.
0: Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's true. nobody
1: else taking care of him. Oh yeah, he needs. Yeah, as if he needs another babysitter.
0: Yeah, but listen, I don't want to start bringing up Trump with you, and the next thing I know, I turn on the TV and you're on top of a car throwing a Molotov. It's not gonna Throwing a Molotov cocktail at a at the DMV because it represents government oppression.
1: It's is not going to happen. Is this the I'm, type of thing I'm that we, we
0: used to have to be concerned about? Saying. That if you have to, no, not at all. If you have to renew your license, the next thing the people in your life know, you're a uh, you're 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 joining a a a, ba- a band of anarchist gorillas who live in the forest and uh. Ra- I've been <laughs> in, the,
1: in a band of anarchist gorillas in the forest already. I to vote <laughs> yesterday. I mean, I uh, I walked in there it's funny because I was spiritually tested in there. Somebody made fun of my appearance and uh, I was okay. I was like, okay, I'm here. I don't know if this is gonna do anything. I don't know if this is mat- this matters, but I'm here and I'm gonna do it anyway. And I'm gonna re- interact with government employees and <laughs> gonna be okay.
0: Well, I gotta say, I'm happy that you're feeling better. I'm happy that you're taking care of yourself. I really hope everything with your guy works out. It was really fascinating, a lot for me to unwrap um, with your story, and I thank you for taking your time. I have to applaud you, too. You are definitely the only caller in the history of the show where in the last minute can offhandedly go, oh, I've already been in a band of anarchist gorillas in the forest, and it's just a throwaway thing <laughs> from your life. That's the full hour for most people, and that was you just tossed that shit aside like it was an empty, uh, empty food wrapper.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay.
0: You've seen a lot of shit, and I'm glad you're working on yourself, and you've given me a lot to think you know,
1: about. Maybe when you're, oh, no, go for it. Well, maybe when you're in, you're gonna have to bleep this, but when you're com- when you're in. Next on tour, I can come up to you after a show and introduce
0: myself. I would love that. I always love to meet a caller, and you know what? I want to just close on because you just one thing that you put out there. I thought was really beautiful. Maybe the real way to save the world is you save yourself first, and then you start to figure out how to save. And you save your uncle, then you save your dogs, and then you start to save your neighborhood, and then your town, and then maybe it starts to spread. I think that that's pretty beautiful thought.
1: Yeah, in my experience. I can't speak to anyone else, but yeah.
0: Well I wish you well and I thank you for calling. This one was really I
1: wish you well too.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Okay, have a good day. You too. Bye.
0: Caller, thank you so much. And and very honestly, I think you're in a very vulnerable place where you're figuring a lot of things out. You shared it with us. And I think it allowed me to sort of take away some lessons. Like I said at the end, some things in there that made me really go, "Oh right, oh all right, help yourself. Help the people you see day to day. Start there. Start there. Start small. Like you said, start with the ones that don't give you the ego Do it anonymous. What a couple of good thoughts in there that can help anybody. You're helping people by sharing your story. Thanks for being vulnerable. Thank you to Jared O'Connell. Thank you to Harry Nelson. Thank you to Brian for sitting in the booth this week. So nice to meet you, Brian Moore. Very, very good to have you at the show. Thanks, Shell Shag, for the intro music. Want to know about me? I'm always going out on the road, chriskeff.com, doing stand-up, doing live beautiful anonymous tapings where you can find all the dates. Want to help the show? Go to Apple Podcasts, rate, review, subscribe. It helps when you do. See you next time. Next time on Beautiful Anonymous, sometimes you start off a phone call talking about Hawaiian Punch, and it ends in a much different place.
1: That has actually been like beneficial to like helping me with my anxiety. Because a lot of times those things used to like really get to me, and now I'm feeling a lot better about a lot of those things. Um, right. But it has made me. More worried about my body and my health in general. So like, anytime something small happens, I'm worried that
0: it's something that it's not. I get what you're saying. Like now, you spill coffee on your shirt, and you just take a deep breath, and you're like, "Well, at least there's not a cantaloupe growing inside me. At least, yeah, exactly. I'll take a little coffee exactly. on you. You know, I really like that. I notice a lot of times when we have people in your age range on this show, sometimes you'll see people go, "Oh." Oh, a millennial who's trying to be an artist. Here we go. And it's like, no, no, no. Yeah. Let's remember everybody's an individual who faces things and deals with things. And here you are processing something that really hugely impactful. That's next time on Beautiful and Honored.